again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Lunch Pail Podcast alongside Mike Nizolik, the Virginia Tech football beat writer for the Roanoke Times. This is Aaron McFarling, sports columnist for the Roanoke Times. Mike, the first game you ever covered as the Virginia Tech football beat writer is one of the biggest wins for Virginia <laughs> Tech in years. Yeah, I you're think welcome. The, the, the fans will nation saying yes. The fans will take you and. Uh, when our last beat writer was here, uh, he he basically oversaw the downturn of Frank mm. Beaver. Got Frank fired. <laughs> uh, no, I'm just kidding. But yeah, uh, I just would like to get your overall impressions just on what happened in that game. And of course, we'll break it down a little more detail. But just your your like, if one word comes to mind about what you saw on Monday night, what would it be? Probably surprise. Not that they won. I don't think. Uh, I, I, like I said, I thought it was a more of a toss-up just because they're both inexperienced teams. Uh, uh, Florida State had a new coaching staff come in, so I thought there was a lot of uncertainty on their side as well. Uh, you know, when everybody's talking about Virginia Tech's young defense and everything, but the way in which they dominated, I don't think it, anybody predicted or anybody kind of expected. Uh, when you walk off the field, somebody's home field in a place that's really hard to play that you've had no history at. Um, haven't won since 1974. It's a sold-out Monday crowd, uh, blackout, and you won 24 to three. And uh, I mean, really looked good doing it. I think surprise is the word that comes to mind. The surprise for me is the run stoppages. I mean, I, I did not expect that they would be able to shut down that run almost completely, with basically the exception of the Cam Akers run in the fourth quarter. That's what they did. They took that run completely away. Part of that was schematic. They put extra guys down there. But that's what Bud Foster does anyway. I thought that that Taggart would have some sort of counter to that, and he didn't. Um, and credit to those guys on the perimeter for making those plays early in the game to say, hey, you can't do these little flanker screens and, and, and gain a bunch of yards. Um, even though we're stacking the box, we're still going to be able to tackle in space and do those. So all those things were just very, very impressive for Virginia Tech. You know, obviously we both thought Tech would score more points than they did. Um, they had opportunities for sure, especially in the second half, field position. Uh, to, to well, and, and Kuma's, uh, Eric Kuma's uh, push off in the end zone, didn't even need to do that. Could I think turn around, caught that ball, and that's another touchdown, get to 31. I think that's where you kind of expected them to be. So uh, in, in yardage, I think you kind of expected maybe a little more production at times. Um, but score-wise, I mean, look, the offense put them in a position to win the game, and, and you can't ask for anything more than I think that than they got. Yeah. Who's the MVP of the game in your mind? Oh, boy, this is tough. Well, we, you know, Rashard Ashby and Caleb Farley both got ACC honors at their respective position. Uh, Ashby's got to be right up there just because those linebackers didn't really leave the field, and he was kind of getting everybody in the right spots. Uh, hard to pick between those two, um, but, but I think Ashby – Probably gets it just because this is his first big game. And I think where it kind of started at the middle that he was kind of directing the traffic and had it all together. I think ever, the defensive line kind of spread it around kind of the production. Uh, but you look at it in terms of composure um, and sort of that uh, what they needed to get from that position at the linebacker spot, he gave them. And he set the tone. Look, he forced that fumble early. They blew up that play uh, in the backfield, kind of stripped the ball. I mean, when they were up ten nothing after the first drive, you kind of thought, "Huh, <laughs> this is right. the, you know." A, a, and it seemed to really take the sails out of Florida State a little bit. Uh, you just never felt that they got full. I mean, look, it was a close game until the end, really. But you never felt that they were sort of 
in it. You know, you know what I'm saying? It never felt like they were in control, that they were kind of controlling the tempo. And they never felt like they had control of the game on either side of the ball. I think it starts early, and, and I think Ashby was kind of a big part of that. Yeah, and I think you can not go wrong with either of those guys, Ashby yeah. or Farley. I'd like to throw in Reggie Floyd's name just mm. because I think he made nine tackles all solo. And kind of that goes yeah, back to number. what I was talking about earlier with the making plays in space. Uh, he's a guy who you know something about. You've seen him before. You know he w- what he can do. But it's so important for the guys that you know something about to kind of lead the way with their with their performances, not just talking and putting people in positions, but also making plays themselves. Uh, and he certainly did that. Uh, I wouldn't name him the MVP, but I'd say he's you know he's he's a, in the he discussion. Was, he was certainly, a you yeah. know, very bright spot there. I think I would go with Farley, just because with two turnovers, you know, two picks. Uh, those kind of splash plays that you're always looking for for a road victory, uh, you know, and and we, you know, he was a guy that we saw in the spring game. He was the star of the spring game last year as an offensive player, <laughs> and we were all like, "Well, you got to play him on offense," and they're like, "Yeah, we do." And then he got hurt, and he didn't play at all, and they moved him back out of need to the other side of the ball, and boy, he looked good. I was impressed that the, the talent level. On defense, they kept saying to us, you know, hey, we've got players who are talented. We're just not sure how, you know, how ready they are in terms of the mentality. But they're right about that, man. Those those guys were talented. They did not look like they were at a, at a talent deficit to Florida State at all, in my mind. Well, when you talk about domination up front, and not even just on defense, offensively, especially in the first half, they were winning the battles. You started a freshman uh, left tackle, uh, uh, Christian Darsow. Uh, you had a, uh, a player that hadn't started before in Zachariah Hoyt at center. Uh, and they they controlled things. I mean, second half, um, Florida State got a little more pressure. But, I, I mean, they really set the tone. The defensive line, obviously, we've kind of talked about. Hill had two sacks. They had, what, I think five as a team. And uh, 14 tackles for loss, I think, was the final number. Um, and they – you know, they allowed some plays. They allowed that big 86-yard run at the end, and I think that kind of bummed uh, Bud Foster out. I think if they hadn't put that up, uh, he would have been uh, really <laughs> – I mean, there was nothing really that that run game did. I mean, 95, 94 yards total uh, on the day. Um, you know, they allowed some plays, but anytime they had to bounce back, they had that big goal line stand. That was impressive to force a field goal. Um, the defense made plays. Kept him out of the end zone, and you know, uh, with a d- eight new starters, uh, just really an impressive kind of overall team effort. Well, and you took a video that's been very popular on our website of, of the Virginia Tech fans doing the Tama mock chop, uh, basically <laughs> doing the chop and chanting, and then you you panned over to the Virginia Tech players who were still on the field, and they were doing it too. Yeah, uh, just a real celebratory moment for the Hokies. It w- what do you think this means big picture for this team? Um, you know, I know you, you picked them to win last week when we talked. Uh, yeah. You said you thought they could win this game. Does this, uh, I don't know, change your forecast well, at I all? Think it, I, you know, you don't, you don't want to take too much from one game, but I think it certainly makes them, based on the week one results, the front runner for the ACC, uh, especially their, uh, their division, because you had Miami put up uh, a big fat goose egg against LSU, which I was kind of – uh, surprised about uh, and looked terrible, and then on the other, on the flip side of the coin, then on Monday you come out and you look like you know you've got it all figured out. Even though you're a young team, uh, you have your identity. You know what you're gonna, you know what you need to do. Um, so I just think that let's not go crazy. Uh, you know, we're not talking, not necessarily talking college football playoff level, but I think certainly just record wise and what you have now. I think you have your because fr- you, you're look, and they talked about this after the game. 
uh, you know, somebody pointed out to Ricky Walker, like, this was a conference game. It didn't feel like it's a, a, a little bit felt, you know, it didn't because of where it is in they the season. They never play Florida State. Right, and they never play Florida State. So, uh, but this was a conference game, and you kind of step back, and you're like, you know, for the players, this this puts them, you know, you got to take care of your business down. They talk a lot about that, but with the record, with 1-0, just 1-0, in your conference against one of the expected hardest teams, they were ranked in the top 20, they are ranked 19 above uh, Virginia Tech. I mean, how that turns out, we don't know. But going into the season, that was kind of what everybody thought. Um, so I think it certainly is you're, you're putting your best foot forward early. And you're kind of looking at the schedule thinking, man, you get to that Notre Dame game now, you should be 5-0. and oh. and, uh, and you got Miami at home. And you I got mean, Miami at home. Thing. I right. pi- you know, when I picked Virginia Tech to win the Coastal in our, in our preseason guide, that was what I looked at. I just looked at the schedule and I said, where are the losses coming from? And th- I was marking this one as a loss, as we talked right. last week. I thought Tech would cover the spread but lose the game. Uh, speaking of spreads, I, mean, I put this in my column for, for uh, Tuesday's paper, but you know, if you go by the spread, the measure of the spread, it's the biggest win in the Justin Fuente era. They, you know, they had but I don't even think you can – I mean, outside of that, I think it is emotionally. Well, and, and I think you could talk about Notre the Notre Dame, Dame win. But uh, just where it is at the season, because that Notre Dame game was sort of capped. Uh, you know, they were sort of limited in what they could do after that game. But now you kind of got everything in front of you. So you lose this, and you we were talking last week how if it was a close game. They'd have nothing to, you know, crow. They, they would, it wouldn't have been a bad loss on it. I don't think anybody would have said they're done. But, I mean, now you win that game, you look good doing it. Um it, it certainly it, raises the expectation. It'll be interesting. You know, they still have a lot of young players, so you got to kind of keep it in perspective for them. I think certainly. Yeah, it feels like the when they won at the Horseshoe in mm. 2014. It was early in the season. It was the second game they had beaten William and Mary in the opener, and then they won that game. And you said, "Wow, everything's on the table now." Now they yeah. didn't. They didn't make the most of it after that win. Uh, you know, they had injuries and things, but at least now, if you're a, a Virginia Tech fan you're still feeling like, well, everything is out there. Everything's right. on the table. Like until it gets taken off the table, they're going to, they're going to enjoy the fact that it's there. Well, and if, you know, they, everything, if the players progress as they should, as young players kind of get experienced in it about, you know, you hope they get better. And that's a good thing. Cause that defense played well. I mean, it wasn't perfect. Obviously. I mean, the coaches kind of stressed that, that look, there were a lot of mistakes, you know, they only had three penalties, but there were some, uh, dumb penalty. <laughs> the, the three that there were, they were really bad penalties. So things like that, mistakes here and there uh, that they can clean up. But you look at it, football-wise, they have a lot to build on uh, and a good blueprint. I think they've got. And you know, it's interesting. Uh, I covered Auburn in the last three years, and they were a notorious team that started slow. It took them a while to figure out what they were doing on the offensive line. It took them kind of to figure out their personnel. Whereas uh, Virginia Tech this season. With all these young guys, it seems like they have a really good idea of what personnel they want to use, how they want to use them. And that's shocking considering eight new starters have mul- multiple freshmen starting, uh, multiple freshmen in the rotation, and they seem to have a really good idea of how they want to attack and how they want to use it. I was just impressed with the way they came out. I mean, this wasn't coming out against a William & Mary in your opener and then blowing them out by 60. This was Florida State at Florida State, and you had a blueprint set, and it looked good. And so I think you get – that goes to the coaching – but also, I mean, look, I, you know, they, they're getting the most out of their talent. They're not getting the five stars, but they're making the most out of what they're bringing in. And, you know, those young guys looked good. Speaking of young guys, Damon Hazleton, I mean, he catches a touchdown pass yeah. on the very first drive, uh, and it's one of those 50-50 balls that they kept telling us he's the guy that can get these for them. Now, you weren't here for the Isaiah Ford slash Bucky Hodges slash Cam, Cam Phillips big three mm-hmm. era, 
but that's what they did a lot. They yeah. just threw the ball up, and uh, there was a game against Pittsburgh. They ended up winning, uh, and that's all they did was throw it up. And it was like every ball was like, well, this is an interception. But then all of a sudden, their their receiver won the battle and got it. And I think that's what you have a possibility in with this group. I mean, they've got some big receivers now. They've got him. Uh, they got uh, Kuma's a, a big guy. They're all 6'2", yeah. with the exception of uh, Savoy, who's like 5'10", or something like that. And there's another one who's who's smaller. Uh, Patterson's smaller. Yeah. But uh, they've got four guys 6'2", I mean, yeah. that, that are going to play. And they all made catches in that game. Um, you got to like, offensively, the, the pieces that you have to work with. Yeah, and I think some people were worried about Josh uh, Jackson's kind of accuracy and some things, but a couple of those were drops. I mean, uh, uh, you know, uh, Fuente post pointed out today in the press conference that Hazleton had dropped a slant route that he should have caught. There was another drop that a ball uh, somebody had their hand on, and it was wet out there. Uh, nobody was making excuses, but I don't think that concerns, you know, it was something that jumped out. I rewatched uh, the first half um, last night, and it wasn't something that I thought, man, Josh isn't uh, the timings off or the uh, his accuracy's off. I, I think you know, look, you're going against a defense with a lot of athletes. They weren't taking a whole lot of chances either. They were being fairly conservative because I think they knew if we don't make a lot of mistakes, we can win this game. And so I think they didn't throw a lot of those 50-50 balls. They didn't they didn't push or press because they didn't need to because they were leading ten nothing after you blinked. You know, it wasn't a situation where. We got to press and, and score. We They were saying, look, we like where our defense is at. We like the guys' weapons we have in offense. We'll take what we can get. And their punter. They like their punter, And they too. like their punter. They like their punter a lot. Um, and he d- he played well. He was part of that special teams effort. Um, and that's something we haven't talked about. We talked about what does this mean. How, how special, I mean, you've been here for longer than I have, so you know, obviously have a connection to the Beamer era, but to have Beamer in the stands, uh, in the crowd, and then Beamer ball is what really – kind of I mean it was in the first half but sort of solidifies that puts an exclamation point on that win uh I think uh, just the irony of the moment the kind of and it kind of special it seemed kind of like a little bit because you know Fuente is a reserved guy but he was even celebrating in the moment it seemed like kind of a little bit of a special moment yeah it was special I, th- I would say that Beamer's been very visible since yeah. his retirement it's not that it's not like well uh, we never see Beamer. It was right, cool right. for him to come out of here and do this. I mean, he was at Bristol and he was he's been to to home games and honored and, yeah. you know certain for certain things and and he does all the fundraising things uh, for the drive for twenty five. So you see him around a lot. But yes, you're right. I mean, that tradition they want to uphold that. They've been doing a good job of upholding that. In fact, as I think I've told you this before, but they basically have revived it. Yeah, know, revitalized yeah, it. Yeah. Because it, it had kind of gone downhill there in the latter years of, of the Beamer administration, not not for lack of emphasis or right. caring. It just it just wasn't as good. Yeah. And uh, now in the last couple of years, it's, it's kind of been on the rebound. Well, and this was a place, too, that he hadn't won. So that was kind of the, the, the difference where he's had a whole lot of home games. I think he'll be at this game uh, coming up because of his connections with the coach at William & Mary. But this was a place that, uh, you know, they hadn't won since 1974. Bud Foster had never won there. He talked about that uh, and said that this was, you know, a house of horrors for them. Uh, they only played, I think, three three times there. But each time uh, did not have fun in Tallahassee. So it was kind of uh, a, a real big uh, turnaround for the just the program to kind of put a stamp against a team that they have really struggled against throughout the years. Well, and that, you know, that's not uncommon for people to struggle up there. Yeah, you know, I mean, that true. is a tough place to play. I, I noted in my column on Saturday, or uh, sorry, on Tuesday, whenever it was, <laughs> but, you know, the chops. I mean, you're used to, when you go cover a game there, that's all you hear is yeah. the chopping and the chanting. 
they basically took that out of them. I mean, there was there was one after the the Cam Akers run when there was still a glimmer of hope for those guys. But for the most part, you well, really just that didn't punt hear return it. killed it. You know, there was a couple in the first. I mean, it was still they're down what ten three, and it, you know the crowd was a little bit into it. But once that they got that touchdown, it was sort of the crowd was worried, and and they were sitting on their hands a little bit, and uh, they didn't get revived like you said till that run. And by then, it was sort of like they couldn't make a mistake, and and then they you know they they did. A couple other notes that probably should should be spoken. I mean, Sean Savoy's tackle on the on the Cam Akers run. Hmm. I mean, sorry, Sean Savoy. Sean Bryce, Savoy. Bryce, Watts. Like, Bryce Watts. Bryce Watts. Bryce Watts' <laughs> tackle. Uh, if Sean had come off the sidelines and that done been, that, that would have been that would have been one of those silly penalties. But no, <laughs> that did not happen. That that one uh, I thought was very significant. I mean, Cunningham was the one who I don't know if we've mentioned his name, but for yeah, him he to blocked block the, the punt. Yeah, to, to block the punt uh, was a big deal. And McLeese, you know. You're right. They went to a more conservative uh, running back, you know, by committee style. But on his first four carries of the game, he gained 60 yards. Yeah, that's that. You know, that's the kind of thing they're wanting out of their running backs is some some of that threat of of gaining a big yard, big yardage. And uh, he showed some of that early in in the game. I think that's a positive sign too. Yeah, they want to see his explosiveness. Uh, wasn't able to kind of they slowed things down and struggled a little bit in the second half. But it was interesting, and I'll have a story up on this later. Uh, this week is uh, uh, I asked uh, Coach Fuente about them struggling between the tackles. Anytime Stephen Peoples was in there, uh, they tried to they tried to get those tough yards but couldn't. Um, and he didn't seem that concerned. He said it was more about just look. That's the by design Florida State. Is, that's the toughest place to attack them. And so it was really hard. He thought they were close on a couple of times. One broken tackle here, one block there. And he wasn't sort of like because he talked about efficiency in the preseason that they needed to kind of get over four yards and for much of the game they were but then by the end that second half they really struggled running the ball but he said he didn't sound like it was the it was a major issue that this was something they needed to to look at it was more by what athletes and what style of play florida state has more credit to them than sort of something's broken that the that with their run game because i i think they, they would have liked that to be a little higher because they ran the ball what 40 something times at least 40 uh, 41 times um, and only averaged uh, just slightly over three yards a carry. So uh, they're going to want to see those numbers better. Uh, they did rush 40 for 112. So they want to see that uh, higher, but they're not going to play defenses with the kind of safeties and cornerbacks, uh, athletes on the on the perimeter and things like that that, that Florida State had well, every Fuente's week. Fuente's approval rating has been high in, in town since yeah. he got here, but it's never been higher than it is today. I mean, this. this so you think if we took a poll, this would be the. This yeah, would this be, would you know, be ninety nine point nine. There'd be one guy who was like, <laughs> ah, "I'm not so sure about this guy." But <laughs> if he wanted to get another job and he had to send out some materials, you know, here's here's yeah, what I can yeah, do. Yeah. He would send this video. Yeah. I mean, this video. He, you know, everything from what we talked about last week. How prepared are these guys? Well, they were prepared. They were yeah, very absolutely. prepared. And credit to the players. I mean, I hate it when people talk all about. You know, Bud's great and Fuente's great. Yes, they are. But the players have to do the job. They have to do the work. And they have to commit and they have to execute. And they did. Um, One interesting thing, though, but when you say that about Bud, is that the defensive players all said that's true. they didn't see a single thing that they hadn't prepared for in practice. And it was pretty easy. What? Farley said it was basically like a, like a practice. It glorified, was a glorified, glorified practice. practice. Glorified practice just because what – how accurately they prepared for what they were expecting. Uh, and so <laughs> you say the players got to play, but the coaches certainly made it easier for them. And that was what they, that was straight from Ricky Walker, Caleb Farley, all both talked about that at length. Just like, look, they didn't throw out 
at, uh, they didn't throw anything at maybe that's a criticism of Florida State's coach, <laughs> but <laughs> they didn't throw anything at us that we weren't. I think it li- is. <laughs> really expecting that they didn't. They were surprised they didn't go away from the zone read a little more because it wasn't working, and it was really surprising just how <laughs> they. It says, Look, we had the game plan laid out, and that was it. I think we should talk briefly about that because when we walked out of the stadium, I asked you. I said, "What do you think if you're a Virginia, uh, uh, Florida, Florida State, State fan yeah. right now? I mean, what are you like? You just saw that I, it was at the airport when we were going through that line to um, get through the security. I saw a guy with a Florida State shirt, and somebody else was had a Florida State shirt, and he they passed each other, and the guy goes, "Yeah, we're really happy with our coach's debut, aren't we? You know." And the other guy's <laughs> like, "Yeah, can you believe that?" I mean, just, you know, everything you're hoping for as a Florida State fan, you did not see in that game. Well, yeah, and it's hard when, you're a repu- when your reputation's an offensive guru and right. you've got your average, gonna, you promise to average all these points or uh, say you're going to, you know, emphasize your athletes and going to be explosive and you put up three points in your debut. It's never fun. So, I mean, it's going to be a long week for him. Uh, you know, uh, and as we transition here, this is a good approach. We talk, we're going to bring up some things we heard here in the press conferences the last two days uh kind of news and notes to catch people up on this short week one of the things that uh, willie taggart said on the conference call today was he was asked about some of those injuries that uh, a couple players fell down at times and the one that i think it would prompt this was espn showed xavier burke walking you, gen- you know a little gingerly maybe but walking looks at the sideline after this long game Looks at the sideline and then immediately collapses like he's been hit by a rock or something. As, like, as like an the, international like an soccer. asteroid has come down and just hit him, and that's why he's collapsed. And so that looked obviously suspect. But uh, a couple of the others, there was that collision with uh, Ricky Walker and Reggie Floyd that I thought maybe one of them was going to have a concussion on. Uh, Ricky Walker hurt his foot. There was four stoppages of play in the second quarter, and two of them, Burke both times, but the one in particular. So Taggart on the conference call said, it happened too often for me to think that they were all legitimate. What say you of his criticism? Well, I think the one that the first one you mentioned is legit. Yeah. Uh, but as an international soccer fan, <laughs> I think he's just playing the game the right way. Right. I mean, uh, look, the, the, I think it's. I mean, officials can decide. Like you, gotta, you but I mean, uh, I. What was, was, was it? Was it Walker, and Farley that hit heads? It was it was Walker and, uh, and Floyd. Floyd. Walker and yeah. Floyd and Walker said it was like two trains, trains colliding, colliding, yeah. colliding yeah. in yeah. the night. Yeah, um, which was a great line. But yeah, I mean uh, the rest of them look pretty legit to me. Look, and I, and I what he was asked the question right. He didn't just come out. Right, and say, he was asked like, the he question. He was asked, yeah. "What yeah. do you think?" And he, he gave said, his "Well, yeah, I, this is what I think." He didn't just come out and be like, "The reason we he lost wasn't on was, blast." Yeah. No, but yeah. it's certainly uh, I think. Virginia Tech fans will chuckle at the uh, oh, the quotes, and I think Florida State fans will roll their eyes because when you lose twenty, look, if it was a close game and on a, a last drive, and they're doing that every play, and it sort of a f- impacted the outcome. I think it sounds a lot better than if you lost twenty-four to three and your offense didn't score a touchdown. Right. Uh, to maybe not just say, I I didn't see anything that was out of the ordinary. You know, I, I don't know that that did him any favors this week. Yeah, um, I don't know. I mean, it's it, maybe it's one of those things like the NBA coaches after games, they know they can't change the calls that were made, but maybe they put a bug in the people's ear. Right, know, this is for future to ears, watch. You know, like, yeah. hey, look, we need to not have our offense slowed down in the future. So right, because after a 30-yard gain and yeah. Xavier Burks looking at the sideline and doesn't want to get to the line of scrimmage, he shouldn't be able to just fall down and right. have the benefit. I mean, that should be a penalty or they have to take a timeout, one or the other. I can understand, um, you know, and you have to look at him. I don't think he was talking about everyone's because some of those ones were clearly injuries. But, right. like, the cramping ones are hard to 
what's a cramp and what's not a cramp? What's acting in it? I mean, that, that, that's a lot. Uh, but it was just sort of interesting to come out of it and hear that uh, the fans in the stadium at the time certainly thought that Virginia Tech was faking those injuries. They did. Um, and Justin Fuente was asked about his response, and he said that, uh, look, in halftime, guys were getting IVs. It was humid. It was really hard on them. They were worried about that all week. Um, and there were just some legit injuries. Uh, he didn't necessarily say we weren't faking injuries, but he said they did have issues. Did anybody ask specifically about the falling down after looking to the side? No, but uh, there was a follow-up question that, so are you specifically saying you didn't fake the injuries? And he said, what I'll say is <laughs> we had numerous injury issues. So I'll read that for what you will. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> what, else, what else stands out about Fuente was made available. We're taping this on Wednesday. Yes. He was ma made available today. I wasn't there. You were. What, yes. what were the highlights? Uh, big highlights. I think left tackle. Obviously, we talked about Christian Darasau. I hope I'm saying that right, or Darasau. I don't know. But he started at left tackle, true freshman, uh, for Silas Janzi, I think is now how we say it. Um, uh, and I asked, uh, was that? Because uh, they had released a depth chart five days before the opener, and Silas was number one uh, left tackle. He kind of made waves in the spring, kind of jumped up there, uh, and they moved uh, Nijman uh, to the right tackle. And so a lot was made about him starting a left tackle, and then he doesn't start. Was it injuries? Was it play kind of leading up to the game? He said it was Silas had struggled, I guess, the last couple of weeks with cramping, and he was limited. And eventually, by the end of the kind of the game week, they just decided that Christian had more practice, was playing well, and kind of embraced the role. And so they they started him there. He didn't struggle; they didn't change. Uh, with William and Mary, I would ex he said both will play. And as far as kind of the long term future, I think it'll be interesting. It'll certainly be a place to watch, where you kind of thought they didn't have a position battle still going on there. You thought it was kind of settled, but I think now with Christian coming in there and playing well because look and and there were some you know Josh Jackson said he gave up one sack but Josh put that on himself because of the way he rolled out on a play right. but other than that no and, and Fuente jokes he's like look I'm not up here talking about 25 sacks given up so I think we could say he did a pretty good job you know as for a starter uh, as a freshman so I think that's the big kind of takeaway uh, Trayvon Hill I guess on the broadcast they had talked about him possibly having an academic issue to clear up, and that and that's why there were some rumors about him. And uh, Fuente said that ESPN did not get that from him, did not say that wasn't true, but says he's cleared uh, to play and should be part of everything going forward, that there's no issues. So those are kind of the biggest newsy items this week uh, going forward that those, you know, Trayvon should be fine. And uh, left tackle, I think, is a position to kind of circle and see what happens here. Okay, and so now we transition to the William & Mary game. The home opener already announced it's been a sellout. Uh, that's good news for, for Whit Babcock and company that they can sell out their opener against a foe that's, you know, uh, FCS. Uh, but everyone's going to be talking about James Madison because any time they play a, a FCS What foe, year was that? <sighs> what year was that? Was that? It, w it was a year they won the ACC title. Was it 2010? 10. 10 2010. Okay. Uh, because they lost to Boise and they lost to uh, JMU, and they didn't lose again until they played Stanford in the Orange Bowl. Okay. And uh, they won, what, it was 12 in a row? Gotcha. Uh, so won the ACC. But I covered that game. I left that game on a stretcher. Uh, I actually had Well, hopefully it goes I better for you. I had an issue. Um, so I didn't actually see the very end of the game and the, the game gets salted away. But – Everyone's going to wonder about that because that was a Monday to Saturday turnaround. 
Um, what did Fuente say just about that whole idea? He said you know, they're going to limit contact. Uh, and I'll, I'll have a story about this in the morning, uh, as this probably when this podcast up, but you could read on Roanoke.com. Um, that basically when he started out at TCU when they were in the Mountain West Conference, they would have Thursday games. So it's the same kind of schedule when you're playing on a Saturday, you play Thursday. Same thing they're doing this week. And at first they were pressing, you know, pressing the practices, uh, going pads and, and working them really hard. And th- that led to them struggling in the Thursday game. So Kerry Patterson, his uh, Fuentes uh, kind of mentor, changed it up, said we're going to go, we're going to, we're not going to pressure as much. We're going to go light. Uh, we're going to make sure you guys are healthy and feeling good. That'll be the most important part of it. And so that's kind of how he's been since that they had, and they had some Thursday games at Memphis. Uh, so no con- limited contact, no pads um, for the practice. That week. seems like common sense. <laughs> like, like the other, the the, the previous, the previous idea plan sounds I really stupid. Uh, like, yeah, I don't <laughs> well, yeah, and it probably depends on where you're at in the season too. Uh, I mean, at this point, I mean, you kind of I think can go both ways because you're still got young guys. You're still, you know, and if they had laid an egg. Do you, do you want to go oh easy God. on them? You know, now I think you could say, look, we're going to go. They had a hell of a Monday night. It was a late night. I don't think they got home till four in the morning, even though, you know, their flight's a little nicer than everybody else's. But that was still a long, it's, it's going to be a short week for them. So, uh, but if they had been terrible, I think you could say, like, man, we really need to work some things through. But the way it was and the way it worked out, I think that the plan makes sense just because you had the humidity, you had a late game. Look, those eight o'clock starts are brutal. Um, so I think it, it makes sense to me. Well, I, I give people a little bit of a preview for my column on Saturday, what it's going to be about. But mm-hmm. basically, uh, Fuente's never lost a game when he, here since he's when he's led at halftime. And I would sure. say that the Florida State game was one of the more perilous leads because it's on the road and right. you know, Florida State's explosive. I kind of view this five days period here as two halves. I mean, the you, second you, half you, of yeah, that you, game. You, that's you, took, good, you took the win. That's what they pay. Half. That's a good columnist analogy right well, there. That's I mean, what they're paying the big bucks. If you don't complete the game, that, right. that game loses a lot of its value. You oh, absolutely. You still want to know in yeah. the ACC, but boy, are, do you get knocked down. There's an asterisk next to your, your <laughs> yeah. record. Yeah. Um, so uh, I think he's shown – now, he's had some slip-ups in some games that people thought they were going to win easily, yeah. you know, like uh, Georgia Tech. You know, they, they've been favored big in some of those games, North Carolina. Uh, but I think he's going to have them ready. And I think they're, you know, the, the crowd should help. The crowd will be really juiced up to see them play. Um, and as much as you worry about young guys, look, this is an opportunity for a lot of these guys to play in front of their family for the first time. Right. Uh, for the home fans, obviously, uh, for that many <laughs> for the first time. And so there's going to be – I mean, you worry that they're going to be a little unfocused maybe early, but I think there's going to be some uh, urgency. That's not They're not going to want to come out and be uh, lethargic or not score a lot of points or lock this team down. They're going to want to impress this, 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 this stadium and get it kind of – get kind of going because here i mean you got like we, we talked about earlier it's, it's all in front of you and if you get out to a big start here you're going to be having some fun i think that's what all these a lot of these young guys are going to be looking at yeah and if i were william and mary and i just watched what happened on monday <laughs> night i would not be feeling like well i'm glad we're playing them right now just so right, soon after right, that right, yeah. I, you know i feel like the momentum probably carries over into this and, and it's a blasting um Young players, you mentioned, you know, not just the ones that we saw on Monday night, but there's some guys that didn't get a chance to play. How do you think they're going to handle it? Did anybody ask Fuente about how he's going to handle that? I whole think idea? nobody asked because I think the answer would be like, well, we're not, we're not, we're not going to be discussing guys that could play in the second half if right. it's a blowout. Right. Um, I think you're kind of excited. You know, some I, I'm interested to see Dex Hollyfield. He didn't get a lot of playing time uh, on Monday because Dylan Rivers kind of 
uh, was all over the field and played well. I think you're looking at him as a guy you're kind of excited to see because I think in the second half, if they're up, he's in there. Uh, some more Trey Turner. I think fans are kind of kind of want to see what this guy can do. And he had that really nice catch yeah, early yeah. in the game. And he played. wasn't like he left the game. They put him in drives uh, throughout the second half. He, uh, you know, he was in there. They were calling his number. So obviously, they have a lot of confidence. And he's a guy where you can kind of see in a third quarter of a blowout, maybe getting a few more touches. Uh, those are two guys probably that I, I think the fans probably is the same answer where you're just kind of excited to see uh, what they can do, especially if they can kind of get in the, the uh, spotlight. Well, you clearly miss Coleman Fox. But, yes, other than that, I think that's uh, a good freshman, rundown. Freshman, freshman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but Coleman did not play in that game. Uh, and he's playing so. his brother this yeah. week. So that's uh, interesting. If he makes a play, then you might be able to talk to him again. So you better have your cheese board ready and, and your wine and, and get right. ready to talk to him. Well, apparently his brother did not play in that William, that William and Mary opener. So both the, both the guys might What's the ovation action. if he gets in the game? I mean, is it? do you think he gets Fox? a – Yeah. Coleman? Do you think he gets a big – Oh, think people, no. No, you don't think so? No, nobody gets as excited as I do. Well, you'll be standing in the press box cheering. But, I mean, yeah. once you after you get kicked out, we'll, we'll – we'll, well, I, you know, people – if, if he breaks off a twenty-yard run, people will cheer very. You think so? I think they like him. But yeah. But yeah, they, I, just him trotting off the sidelines. It's not exactly a nobody's gonna one freak of those out. Deals, uh, yeah. Willis Reed moment <laughs> or anything like that. <laughs> but anybody else you're excited? Like some of the freshmen that are on there. I'm trying to think. Uh, but yeah, I mean Trey Turner. I, like I said, I, I, I'm eager to see uh, Hollyfield. See what we got here. Dead air. Oh, and the quarterbacks. That'll be interesting to see what they do. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, with the backups, um, you know, uh, Fuente said it'll be a situational kind of how he feels Do they give Willis reps, even though kind of hooker, you're looking at as a younger guy that hasn't much experience. Wh what do you think they kind of do there? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think we'll see some hooker. That's what I do think. Yeah, uh, because, you know, you want to just give him an opportunity to 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 show something because, you know, he he's going to be with the program longer term, too. Yeah, yeah. And he hasn't really had a chance. I mean, well, he had a chance two springs ago and he made the most of it he played really well in the spring game this past year he didn't get a ton of of reps in the spring game and i think yeah. people were wondering why not um he should i would think get a few more if they get a big lead in this you know one question i didn't get to ask but not, not, i'm kind of uh a bummed but it, you know what are they going to do now with this new redshirt rule you got you got a game with patterson where you could play him in theory and not have to worry about burning his redshirt but get him some reps and still redshirt him would they think about doing that, or do they prioritize getting the reps to the guys that you, if Josh goes down with injury, you'd go to? Um, and we'll get an answer, I guess, on the field if they go to him. Um, but in something in the future here, that'll be something to watch. Where you get in these spots, look, they got four games to burn with all these freshmen that they can use, and then they could re still redshirt them. And so in a situation last year, you wouldn't even think of playing Patterson because he wouldn't get in a game if Josh got hurt. You'd have to have – everything would have to go wrong to him to get in a game. Here – he could play the second half. You could kind of get him, get his feet wet, have that under your belt, and that's you know way to kind of advance these guys' career. Um, it'll it that will be something to watch. Um, just because you know they said they're gonna they're, they're evaluating guys differently with this retro. And almost every coach that was asked about this, uh, Mike Barber uh, for Richmond Times did uh, did uh, Richmond, uh, Richmond did the uh, story on that. Um, every coach said that, that it's a good rule and it's impacting how they think about these things. And these are games where you look at on the schedule where it makes a difference, where if you're up big at the half, what do you do with those guys in the second half? I think it's more applicable to positions outside of quarterback, honestly, because mm. I think what you're going to see is them trying to groom these guys who 
who would be there if yeah. Jackson were to go down. I don't think you go to that fourth level to, to, to just get this guy some run. Um, but like a receiver or somebody like yeah. that, I think is more likely because there's more of them. But it's experimentation, too. I could see some coaches bucking, you know, just doing things differently because you want to see what it does, yeah. right? Because, like, there's never been a chance like that before with a quarterback where you don't lose that year, you don't lose that eligibility. And so I think I, I think you certainly have to give it a thought at least because why not? Look, Well, if you feel good about where Willis is right, and you exactly. feel good about where ex- Hooker is. Willis has experience. He started eight yeah. games from Can- uh, was it Kansas or somewhere, Kansas State. Yeah, Kansas. Um, uh, and so, but Hooker obviously is a guy you want to see a little bit, right? But uh, you know, if you're confident, if you give Hooker the third quarter, what do you do? You know, it's, that's just sort of an interesting little twist to make some of these games where you think, oh man, this could be a blowout, a little more interesting in that second half. Well, now there's a guy if he comes off the sidelines, there'll be a roar. Get, I get mean, yeah, people want to see the Q man. I just oh came, yeah, I, I and, just and quarterbacks are always, <laughs> you know, and especially running quarterbacks that have that dynamic uh, athleticism. That fans always think they're going to score touchdowns in every play, so that, that there is that excitement. I apologize, Quincy. I will never call you the Q man. I think again. I like a Q tip. Is that is that does that work? <laughs> Q give money. Him Q, give them the Q tip. Um, predictions. Yeah, you want me to go first? You go first. Uh, let's say forty-five ten. Forty-five Virginia ten. So you 10. think their touchdown streak uh, ends? Yeah, they give up a touchdown somewhere or some way. Yeah, I don't. I, what, I think I did the same. I think I did the same score. I did the thing again where I did a prediction this morning, and I mean, obviously, I picked Virginia Tech. I don't remember what the final score is, but I think it was ten. I think it was like forty, forty-nine to ten. Yeah, I had a little more offense, but I think they'll get a touchdown in the second half. I think the starters keep the streak alive with the touchdowns. Okay. Yeah, we'll I go can to see the that. we'll go to the backups, give up the touchdown. Starters end the day, uh, happy with themselves. And all is well in Hokie Nation, and fans can breathe a sigh of relief that they don't have another James Madison. And you won't have to go to the hospital. I will. I will leave the press box with my own two legs and not be at the knock. On, we'll just knock on wood. Yeah, right? I, I'm utterly confident. I'm utterly well, I'm well, well now, prepared. Now, for now, now you're gonna do it pulling Xavier Burke. You're gonna look at look at the press box and just fall down. <laughs> and, and I'm gonna call Willie Taggart up and be like, "It's happening again. It's spreading. We got problems here. <laughs> it's an here, epidemic. Willie. It's an epidemic. That's right." All right, pick three. Pick three. Uh, man, it, you know, it's been a whirlwind. We've been traveling. We had lots of delays in the airport. Uh, but in the Charlotte airport, we had this place called the uh, 1897 Market, I think. Something Market, yeah. Something Market. And it was really good. It was like a legitimate restaurant that I would go to outside of an airport. Not just you know, if you're in the airport, you're stuck in it. That's what you're, you have. But it was good enough where, uh, you know, fans, that's sort of like um, an area where you're going to always fly out of from Roanoke uh, with connecting flights. So uh, keep it on your list. Uh, 1897 was very, very good. I had a steak. Uh, uh, Aaron had a what looked like a very delicious pizza. Yeah, mushrooms and and, uh, spinach. Yeah. And uh, so, but, you know, airport food, usually it's just Burger King, but this was – I mean, this was good. This was a nice uh, sit-down place. It was a large – I mean, it was like a medium-sized pizza that you would get at, like, you know, a Sal's or someplace like that. And I think it was only like ten ninety nine, which yeah. for an airport is like nothing. I yeah, mean, and they had uh, Parmesan fries, and the, those yeah. were t- – it was a big restaurant too, so you didn't feel like you were you – know, a lot of those places are nice, but they you're just – everybody's at the bar and you're on top of each other. Uh, so that's my first one just because – it was the sort of shining light in a, an array of delays uh, from our, our travels. 
All right, I'll go food too. Uh, you got some Whataburger. Uh, a Whataburger, yeah. But <laughs> the delay for that Whataburger at, at one fifty in the morning was was a little troublesome. And I walked in there and I felt like my feet were like sticking to the floor. I mean, it was gre- it was as greasy of a fast food. And I've had Whataburger before, and I like Whataburger. I just wasn't hungry. I also would have gotten some Whataburger, but it was kind of a disgusting Whataburger. I thought. How well, was the food itself? The was food it itself was fresh and okay. very good. Um, okay. So I don't, I don't know why you're picking on this pick three is supposed <laughs> to be lifting them up, and especially since they gave me good food, the service was a little uh, less the left something to be desired. Um, but the it would have been very upsetting if the food didn't come out right. well. But they got the order right, which is half the battle, and then the fries are fresh, which was which was a plus, and the burger itself. You know, tastes like it was made within the within the you know time I ordered it, so that's good. Okay. Sometimes you get that like Burger King where you get the nuggets or something, and like tastes like this was made in 1982 when I was born, and okay. it like tastes like that. That did not happen. Okay. You want to do your number two? My number two. Um, let's think, because uh, we've just been doing so much uh, traveling. But um, the the, uh, <laughs> the upgrading to the uh, window seat, I think, is now a must. Some of these planes we took uh, this weekend were too small. And so I think that uh, I'm recommending, and this is my pick going forward, that the window seat's always going to have to happen. Okay. Yeah, I'm a window seat guy. Yeah, you were celebrating. You had, I think, two. We had four flights. We had two connecting flights. Um, But, yeah, some of these planes, it felt like like I was literally sitting, like, knees huddled to my chest. And uh, with the window, you can spread a little more. You can lean at least. I felt I felt like I was in a in a little box. Randy King used to call those Piper Cubs. We're gonna take a Piper Cub down to to uh, <laughs> Charlotte. Okay, yeah, I got a flight one too. I, I and I posted this on my personal Facebook account, but like, I, the, I don't get this whole idea of we're waiting on a flight crew. That's like walking into a restaurant and them saying. Yeah, we got a table for two. We'll see if we got a waiter around here somewhere. Yeah, I didn't get that I either. I just don't understand how that's possible. I just kind of picture, have, have you seen Office Space? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. I just kind of pictured them, the, all this flight crew at this Orange Julius or the Cinnabon sitting around, and one of them says, I'm just not going to go fly that plane. And the <laughs> other one says, you mean you're quitting? And he's like, no, I'm just not going to go. Yeah, the, well, the morning we had the flight, I was delayed for like three hours, and uh they just said we don't have a crew. <laughs> it's like, well, like you had the flight was on the schedule. You right? purchased the tickets in August. How, what did you just forget? Did you not care? It's like, how are these things not prepared? And like, uh, and then my favorite was I'd never seen this. It's a smaller airport, so maybe this happens a lot here. But so they moved the flight back three times, and so it ultimately was delayed three hours. But then. 45 minutes before the flight they're like we're gonna board in 15 minutes right and didn't make a public announcement and just were like if you're here you're here you were not there well <laughs> i got the, the, I got the text were, yeah. you got the uh you you were getting some food but if you hadn't done updates or i hadn't been there to like knock on the window oh right you would have been out of luck and so i just don't understand that seems dangerous to not make a public so bef- so quickly so with so little time in between the actual change and the uh the flight yeah and that happened in charlotte on our way back too they had a they pushed it back they to pushed nine it o'clock back and then they pushed and it they up pushed it to 8 30 i don't think you should be able to push it up like that i mean i was glad they pushed it up but still you're right i mean because like, like what if you had left you the airport it? or yeah. well you know i had it's just it was uh it was strange my third one um uh, i think it's this friday the new predator movie comes out 
there hasn't been a very and there hasn't been a good predator movie since the first two and this one looks good uh director shane black was in the first one uh he did iron man 3 directed it uh very good writer uh i'm interested to see it and i'm excited i'm optimistic uh and so that's my we'll see if it makes pick three next week as a good movie or a bad movie but that's what i'm going to be doing uh hopefully one of these nights here uh as my pre-game uh pre-game fun would you believe i've never seen predator uh yeah i mean i not you're at the age range where you probably should have right. if, like it came out where you were probably of age to actually see it in the theaters or, or at least on yeah, video maybe. A little young for it, but, yeah. but yeah like right around there um i mean it wasn't a huge huge movie but uh, a little surprising, I guess. Yeah, okay. Well, my number three is going to be the Boston Red Sox, okay? Okay. Today is Wednesday. They were down 7-1 to one today. They played their B team, basically, and then they just brought MVP candidates off the bench one by one, basically, mm-hmm. in, in the latter innings against the Braves. And I know there's Braves fans in the area listening to this, but there's also Red Sox fans in the area that probably listen to this. That was the win of the season for the Red Sox. They came back, tied the game, then fell behind in the ninth by a run, and then scored two in the ninth, the bottom of the or the top of the ninth with a home run by Brandon Phillips, who just signed. He's just just now added to off the, the team. street, didn't they? Yeah. Off the street, uh, they win their ninety seventh game. They have forty four losses. My point is not the Red Sox, really. I, as an Oriole fan, it's been a bummer of a season, and it's actually been a bummer of a season in a lot of ways for a lot of just fans of like comp- competitive baseball. But this postseason has a chance to be wild. I mean, when you look at that Red Sox team and how talented it is and think about the Astros that are that, you know been fighting tooth and nail just to just to win their division. Uh you look at Cleveland which you know is just loaded with talent. You look at um who am I missing here? I mean, oh, Atlanta, you know, you're talking uh, well, about the Cubs, the, yeah, the, the Cubs are, are in first. Um you know, that that National League West race is the one race that's really really interesting coming down the stretch. You know, Colorado, LA and and Arizona all within a game and a half of each other. But the rest of it is kind of like everybody's either pulled away or, or you know, it's it's kind of not – the pennant races are not that good. But the postseason itself has a chance to be ridiculously good, particularly in the American League. Were the Red Sox an underdog today? They were. Did, be- because they started did you did you take did you take the Red Sox? I did. I was going to say you know, have, you know, know a lot of detail about this this is a game on a Wednesday afternoon uh, to uh, to break it down like that off the top of your head. I'm impressed. Uh, uh, so it sounded like uh, something suspicious was going on there. <laughs> I love afternoon baseball uh, on a weekday. That yes. should really have been my big. Was it a getaway day then? I, f- I assume yeah, for the Red Sox, Wednesday which is why yeah, tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Wednesdays and Thursdays are wonderful because you get baseball from about noon or one all the way to midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And for a baseball fan like myself who, you know, works a lot of nights and works weekends, uh, midweek. And that gives you an extra game game to bet on. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So. All right. Well, anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here? Uh, No, we just need to catch up on some sleep. Get ready for I'm behind. You know, the players and the coaches talk about how they're behind this week. I haven't looked at William and Mary. I couldn't name a single player on their their roster yet. Sure you could. Fox. I couldn't name his first name, though. Uh, It's Riley. Riley Fox. I'm almost. Yeah, I'm 98. Is he the old? Are they twins or are they older, younger? No, I think Riley is younger, actually. Younger. Younger than Coleman. Okay. So I know of one player on their roster who didn't play <laughs> last week, so that's not going to help. Uh, I'll, so I'll do some reading up on that. But really, uh, you know, been just kind of focusing on that Monday, and then we'll turn the page here today, kind of last time we'll talk about it. And then uh, week two, it, it, it's 
it was an exciting way to start the season just with how impressive the team looked. Uh, look, we're not rooting against them or for them one way or the other, but you want to see good football. And that was a good football game and a good football team that played uh, uh, on Monday night. It really was. And if you missed any of the coverage, it's still up there. Go to Roanoke.com. Yeah, it doesn't it disappear. Don't Mike, take it Mike had a lot of headlines coming out of out of that. You uh, you did a real nice job of keeping uh, the, the stories cranking. Hopefully people will check those out and also check out the advanced material as we have coming up for in the next couple of days. Until next time, for Mike Nizolik, this is Aaron McFarling. We will see you again next week. Thank <laughs> you.